Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shluk. Shlisten, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk. Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Shluk, Shlisten. Oh, very exciting, Benjamin, but also very, very frightening because while we've started recording, we've, we've, we've had the beginning of a massive thunderstorm, Ben. It's absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying, Michael. There's a flash behind me there now. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. I don't want to continue recording. I might want to make a will. I want to cower in the corner and wrap my tail around myself and have a little pine, Michael. It's all. There's a very good chance, Benjamin, that one of us will be struck by lightning and it'll shoot down the record alomalator and uh, strike into the ears of the listeners. And, Michael, there's, there's only two things that can possibly happen there. One of us becomes a living podcast, mm. a la a 1980s movie, <laughs> or... <laughs> or... <laughs> yes, go on, what's the or? <laughs> One of our microphones comes to life with a jaunty personality. Oh, very good. We could become... That's the origin story of um, Marvel's Electro, Benjamin, but he was Electric Eels, not a podcast. We would become the superhero, the podcast. But sure, look, Benjamin, we don't have time for any more <laughs> lightning-based banter because we've loads to look at, including there's been a trailer for June Part 2... Here comes more June. And we've had one of the most meta video game trailers of all time in the release of Gran Turismo, which is real and a thing. Also, there's been a trailer for another meta-referential piece of fiction, Oppenheimer, and by which I mean it's true. Also, for a bit of Irish flavour, Benjamin, you've seen, ooh, the old Star Wars... Star Wars visions, as we say here in Ireland. And I have seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And we're going to do a little spoiler-free review and then some spoiler-filled thoughts. Mmm, Michael, if that Mm. wasn't enough. Mmm. We're also going to take a look at the Ballad of the Space Cowboy, Michael. Space Westerns, what's the deal with them? Why are they so bloody popular? Bloody Star Wars Visions, Michael, which is essentially Sergei Leone does shiny fucking swords. Uh, And then bloody Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which you've seen this week, Michael, which is a space western by any other name. Or is it? Or is it? Well, we'll find out on this bloody episode, won't we? We will, but speaking of space westerns, Ben... There's a lot of sand in the film June. <laughs> yeah. They say, Michael, 90% of the budget was actually spent on sand. They just ground up bivalve shells. And they were yeah. like, didn't even know, would you not prefer to just buy in some sand? And he said, no, when I'm making a film, I like to recreate the evolution of a real sand environment by grinding up the shells of bivalves. Yeah, exactly, Michael. Denis Villeneuve's Dune Dew is out and, uh, well, it's not out yet, Michael, but we're going to have a look at that. Michael, I would just like you to stop and admire that. I cannot believe I wrapped my tongue around Denis Villeneuve's Dune Dew without tripping over it. Oh, I thought you made a mistake on, I thought it was just a a genuine accident, but you meant to say Dune Dew. Yeah, Dune Dew. Oh, because he's French, you see, he speaks French. he's French, you see, and Dew means two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, does it? But look, we won't get into that. We won't get into your tenuous grasp of the French language because what we have to talk about is Paul Atreides and his tenual, tenuous grasp of the back of a sandworm. Michael, he's got the hooks, he's got the drive, can he do it? Yes, um, based on a book that came out decades yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, we know what happens. He's riding yeah. them all over the place and going, everybody follow me, I'm on the back of this sandworm. And everyone goes, holy shit, he is on the back of the sandworm. We best follow him, in fact. Is is um, the spice just holy shit? Is that is that technically what it is? <laughs> yes, it's holy narcotic shit. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty pretty much, Michael. So, I mean, we're nailing it here with the puns on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Michael, I I think, having watched June 1, mm. that because you and I have read the book, it's it's almost, it is a spectacle, but it's a little bit fucking dull when you've read the book and you're just like, yeah, okay, I, I know what happens. Benjamin, are you struggling here with the nature of cinema? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm taking... It's time, Michael, after five years of podcasting, I've finally <laughs> strapped on the old armour and I'm taking on the concept of cinema. There's no point in watching something if you already know what's going to happen. Benjamin, when you were reading the book, though, were you picturing, mm. as Princess Irulun, were you p- picturing Flavour of the Moment Florence Puge? I was not, Michael. Pleasantly surprised that Flavor of the Moment Florence Puge is going to be Princess Uralu or Princess Purulu, as we can now say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't because they were both wrong. But Benjamin, <laughs> look, yeah, it's it's not it's not a terribly exciting trailer, though, is it? Let's be honest. Michael, it wasn't a terribly exciting film, um, and I don't I don't mean that in a disparaging sense. It's a slow burner. Denis is taking his time with this sci-fi mm. epic, and yeah, we're we're gonna get more of of the perfume ad aesthetic of you know uh, bloody Zendaya in the middle of a, a desert doing Zendaya things in dream visions. I forgot, Michael, the hook of the additional princess because you know is. Is Zendaya not the is Zendaya not the love interest, Michael? Not when you've got a bloody planet to seize hold of. You'll need an allegiance. Thank you very much. Exactly, Benjamin. Like all of our lives, Paul Atreides' love life is torn between love and family loyalty. Yes, Michael. As as is as is the classic, we're all obsessed with Paul Atreides' love life. TMZ, Michael. What is Paul <laughs> Atreides up to now? Is it a political allegiance? Is it love? Who knows? Yeah, who is he taking to the Met Gala? Who is Paul Atreides taking to the Met Gala? And what does that mean for his ex, Bella Hadid? Michael, a cat. He's taking a cat to the gala. <laughs> but it turns Jared out Latteau that it's was just... was a cat then. <laughs> yeah. What was he doing? But... He's a big cat. Michael, I think we've come full fucking circle, man. I, th- I think we're done. I think pop culture's a snake eating its own tail or a cat chewing their own furballs. Fucking bizarre week in pop culture. Mm. Or a sandworm eating its own sand trout. Very good, Michael. Very good, Michael. Getting high on its own bloody spice supply. Mm, Um, Very good. Come here to me, Michael. Speaking of things that made me think we're scraping the bottom of the fucking pop culture barrel. Yes. We got a trailer for Gran Turismo. This is real. This is a real trailer. I thought this was an April Fool. An April Fuel. Yes, I thought it was an April f- Oh, very good, because the cars are driving around and fuel yeah. famously goes in cars. Ben, this is mad. This is the maddest <laughs> film, movie, video game adaptation of all time. It's a movie 
about a guy yeah. who's so good at the game that he gets to be in a movie. It it, it makes no sense, Michael. This this is a retelling of the 1980s hit film, maybe early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, the 1980s hit film, The Wizard. This is a retelling of that, but with car racing. Yeah, it's a retelling of the classic 1990s film, Cool Runnings, Michael, but with video (laughs) games. But with video games. Instead of bobsleigh, it's Gran Turismo. It's bizarre. This is bizarre. There has been a big rise in popularity online in recent years in sim racing. Sim racing has become its own sport. Has it? People are mad about sim racing, Ben. And sim racing YouTubers and Twitch stars, they're making the big bucks. Are they? But the eternal question is, well, there are two eternal questions. One of the eternal questions is, but could they beat real car drivers? No. No is the answer to that. And the second eternal question is, would David Harbour shout at him if he saw them? And as it turns out, the answer to that is yes. Yeah, the answer is is undoubtedly yes, Michael. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that didn't scare the shit out of you like it did out of me. That was a lot of thunder on the background, Mike, there. This is bizarre. This is so loud, Ben. It's like you're in a washing machine. This is terrifying. Awful. This is terrifying. This is almost as terrifying as being humiliated by the actor David Harbour. Michael, this is almost as terrifying as for some reason being screamed at by pro racing instructor David Harbour. Michael, this has Orlando Bloom in it. It does, yeah. As the head of Nissan. Mr. Katy Perry. Yeah. It has David Harbour in it, Michael. As the head of sports and verbal abuse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's the um, he's the drum that faster boy of car driving. I hope at some stage he says race that faster boy. Yeah, it's 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 J.K. Simmons in a different font, Michael. Michael, yeah. this is directed by Neil Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp, of all people. Star of sci-fi dystopias and kind of, you know, sci-fi golden boy, Neil Blomkamp. Weird, weird. The product placement for Gran Turismo, the Gran Turismo series, Nissan. It's, this is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. This is, Ben, late stage capitalism gone wild. Michael, if only we'd actually managed to publish that episode when I didn't fuck it up. That'd be good, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we could this call back mad. to that. But I tell you what we'll do, Michael. We'll do a new episode what? with that as one of the things. Very good. Okay, let's do okay. that then. But what I do think this is, Michael, is pure fan service for gamers who... <laughs> this is going to get me in trouble here. But this is for, for gamers who think that, you know, when they play a little bit of, of COD... COD, a bit of COD, yeah. Little bit of Call of Duty, little bit of bloody Grand Turismo. Yeah, it's not what it's called, but go on. Little bit of Fiefs. The football 2023. game. Yeah, I've heard of it. You know, mm-hmm. and they go, yeah. Well, I have a, I have a fairly good understanding of, of of warfare. I have a very good understanding of car racing. I could probably pull it off with the right amount of time. It's fan service for that, Michael. Nobody is getting a knock on their door after <laughs> you know smashing it in Call of Duty, <laughs> Ghost something or other. It's, it's, it's not going to happen, Michael. They're not getting a knock on the door from uh, the military service being like, God damn it, you smashed that. It's time for a secret training camp to save the country. I don't know. I think that might be what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. Oh, fuck. Okay, never mind. <laughs> They're like, you are good in Call of Duty. Please come help us against Russia. Well, I suppose they, they might in some way, Michael, do it for drone training or something. It might be handy for that. Maybe all drone yeah, operators are... Drone gamers. operators... 
Drone he's operator. A drone he's a drone operator. operator. Coast um, to coast, dropping bombs on innocents. Dun, dun, dun. Drone operator. Ben, but a lot of the a lot of the big um sim racing YouTubers and Twitch stars have actually been invited to go and race in events. So it, this does say, based on a true story, just like last week's Twisted Metal with the actor Anthony Mackie, this 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 bizarre car game movie does also seem to be based on a true story. Is it is it something to do with car sales being down, Michael? Is it, is it just trying I don't to know? I don't know. It's <laughs> fucking weird. What other improbable? You know what I would like to see? I would like to see a video game. Ba- sorry, a movie based on the video game FIFA, not based on football. <laughs> Not based on the sport of football. Just a movie about the video game FIFA. That would be fucking gas crack altogether. I've got to do it. I've got to compete, Dad. I've got to compete in the greatest competition ever. You can't go to the World Cup, son. No, Dad. FIFA. The FIFA World Cup, Dad. That is the World Cup, son. No, the the virtual one, Dad. No, Dad. Please, Dad, let me play in the FIFA virtual World Cup, Dad. It has to be from the north. It has to be like a Billy Elliot style FIFA 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't play virtual football. (laughs) And he's walking around and while he's uh, going to the shops and stuff, he sees everybody's star ratings for their speed, ball handling, etc. I don't know anything about FIFA. I don't know anything about FIFA. I've never played I assume players have star ratings. (laughs) Oh, Michael, what the fuck? Speaking... Yes. Of imperial capitalist bootlicking, Michael. We got a trailer for Oppenheimer. Oh, very good. Good old Oppenheimer, Ben. He got a five-star rating for nuclear bomb invention. Yeah, he was top in his field. There's no doubt about it, Michael. Handled those bloody demon cores like nobody's business. Excellent demon core handling skills. Mm, I think demon cores are from nuclear power plants rather than nuclear bombs. I could be wrong, though. It's all the same, Michael. It's all the same. It's cool, so I put it in there. And it's just it's gonna stay in there now. Come here to me, Michael. Yeah. We've got bloody Irishman sinucular bloody bombs. I tell you what. Yeah. Christopher Nolan cannot make a film without Killian Murphy, it seems. Uh, no, it's usually Killian Murphy is a side character, but apparently I was reading an interview during the week. Killian Murphy like really went balls to the wall in this one. He's like, No, I'm gonna be the lead in this one. And Christopher Nolan was like, oh, I don't know. And he was like, I've been a fucking side piece in all your films. You're making me Oppenheimer. And then Christopher Nolan was like, I don't know if you want to be synonymously tied with the man who created nuclear bombs. I don't know if that's who you want. He most certainly didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He he became Death Michael, Destroyer of Worlds. Yeah, yeah. He was no yeah, great yeah. fan. No great fan of doing big bombs. Matt Damon is in it. Matt Damon is in all your kind of dramatic films, isn't he? He's just always there. Michael, the, Matt Damon has one of the greatest overacting moments I've ever seen in this trailer. Where he's like, it's the fate of the goddamn world. And he's, he's just, he's so fucking, there was a lot of hamming it up there for a second. Yeah, very exciting. Very good, Benjamin. The line in it where they worry about whether the bomb is going to detonate the entire uh, atmosphere and kill the whole planet. That reminded me of the nuclear bomb of our, well, maybe not your youth, but my youth, which was... Um, Hadron Colliders and they were turning them on for the first time and people were like I mean it's not impossible that this could uncreate the universe yep yeah spoiler alert ladies and gentlemen it didn't spoilers it for the didn't. film sorry I've ruined it or did it or did it Michael from a bloody existential societal point of view hmm, mm. 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 Benjamin I like the I like the tension in this trailer of 
ten, nine. We know what happens. The nuclear bomb goes off and everyone's fine. Well, not everyone. The Japanese didn't have a great time. No, they didn't have a great time of it. But it wasn't that particular one. No, it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. They didn't detonate. They didn't explode the atmosphere or anything. So the tension is taken slightly out of this scene by knowing that we're all still alive. Yeah, we've really spoiled it for ourselves, haven't we? By breathing. By breathing. Unless, of course, and this is what I would love from a Christopher Nolan-esque twist. Unless, of course, it does blow up the atmosphere and it turns out to be... uh, not a Christopher Nolan-esque twist, but instead more of an Inglorious Bastard-esque twist. Where yeah. This is this is all an alternate timeline where the nuclear bomb did blow up the atmosphere. Where we just rewrite history. And yeah, <laughs> why yeah, not? yeah. And the whole second half of the film is Killian uh, Murphy in a post-apocalyptic atomic wasteland, going, "Oh, Flumineck, I've fucking ruined that." I'm not because he's yeah. from I just wanted to play FIFA, and now I've blown <laughs> up world. Blown up world. He's from Cork, yeah. though, so I don't know what He's from Cork, so probably like, ah, I've only gone and fucked it. Are you fucked that up now, bye? Bye. <laughs> You'd have to put it in there. Sorry to yeah. our listeners from Cork. Um, it, it's all right. You can stop listening now. We're, we've just... We've, we've, <laughs> stop we've listening now that, we've, now that we've insulted your beloved son, Killian Murphy. Benjamin, I'll tell you <laughs> what, we'll probably go see it. Michael, it looks pretty good, in fairness. Like, we're we're taking the piss. But it looks like a classically well-done Christopher Nolan kind of biopic historical thing, like Dunkirk. They're good. Speaking, They're not bad. Will there be some sort of weird, timey-wimey, odd framing of the narrative, do you think? Uh, oh, I would imagine so. It's probably Oppenheimer when he's an old man narrating at some point, And then, I don't know, some kind of Titanic-esque construct. Where it's an old yeah. woman looking at a jewel going, oh, he had to die. And people going, did he? I don't think he did. I think you drowned him. Maybe, um, maybe the entire film will take place in the heartbeats between the countdown. Well, that'd be good. I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to watch it anyway, Ben. Yeah, because as we said, we'll probably go watch it. Benjamin, we've had a very busy year this year because I had a look at the movies we've missed this year. And by gosh and golly, there are many. We've go missed on. a lot of movies we covered yeah, we just don't go to them after they come out. We just don't go to them. We haven't gone to see them. Like this weekend, I noticed that I haven't seen Ghosted. I haven't seen Scream 6, which I did actually go and see. Um, I haven't seen... There's an absolute ton of movies that have since come out that we haven't seen. Infinity Pool, do you remember that one? Infinity Pool came out, Michael. Bloody uh, Ryan Quanson uh, giving Cthulhu head in the bathroom. Yeah. That came out. That came out. All these films we were so excited to see and we didn't see any of them. But what we did see... Go on. Or you saw, was Star yes. Wars Visions. Yeah, Michael. Star Wars Visions Volume 2 came out, Michael. And good gosh, good golly, what what an upgrade from Volume 1. Um oh, go on. Fascinating. So Star Wars Vision, for anybody that's not familiar with it, is uh, an animated anthology series. Not unlike, Michael, as you would famously say, Love, Death and Robots. Mm, or The Animatrix. Or the Animatrix. Now, Michael, here's where it gets interesting. So, the calibre of Star Wars Visions has varied wildly between Season 1 and Season 2. Because I never really got into Season 1 when it came out originally. But I gave it a watch for this, Michael. Specifically because I have Completionist Syndrome. And I felt like I couldn't watch Season 2 without having watched Season 1. Oh, very clever. Yeah. So... It's funny that you use both of those examples because season one is essentially the Animatrix. It's it's a very anime 
Japanese-inspired take on the Star Wars universe. Nearly all of the shorts, Michael, are designed in an anime-style animation. That was the whole point of it, wasn't it? That was the selling point, was look at Star Wars anime for all you weebs. Yeah, so that that was definitely that was definitely a big draw on it, Michael. And we got and to be honest, the most hit and miss series of vignettes I've ever seen. Some of them were great, and then some of them were very strange, stilted kind of almost like somebody had dubbed them themselves. Very strange things, Michael. So the quality varied wildly. But then I I stuck on Volume 2, and Volume 2, Michael, takes its cue directly from Love, Death and Robots. There's a variety of animation styles and narratives, ranging from serious drama to light-hearted comedies. Um, There's Wallace and Gromit's studio, Aardman, does one set. Uh, And then we have our very own Irishman Sajedi, Michael. Oh, yeah. Cartoon Saloon got their hands on one. Yeah, the lads from down up in Kilkenny down there up there in Kilkenny. Ah, oh, Michael, we'll get into it in a second. I'm going to do a whole little deep dive on their contribution to this project because bloody flipping hell, Michael, they nailed it. Anyway, we'll get How into that. Michael, there's there's uh, a few very interesting kind of 3D philosophical ones. The one that kicks off the entire anthology, Michael, is called Sith. And it's the retelling of a former Sith apprentice trying to escape her master. Oh, very good, Michael. She's got a robot arm and one of the cutest additions to the Star Wars universe in terms of droids I've ever seen. More cute than BB-8. Much more cute than BB-8, Michael. Because there's a little bit of a sinister feel to him. And spoilers, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen episode one of Star Wars Visions Volume 2. But he's got a big fuck-off cannon in it, Michael. And there's an excellent scene where he takes the head clean off a bounty hunter. It's very good. Ooh. It's very Sorry. good. But he's like a puppy, Michael. And there's one scene where he's put in jeopardy. And I was almost going to type in, does the dog die into Google just to check it out. I was very worried. Does he? He doesn't. No, that's fine. It's fine. Good. You can watch it. It's grand. Good. But anyway, Michael, there's a few of these. And they, they range, as I said, in theme and thing. Very closely modeled on the Love, Death and Robots kind of anthologies that we see on Netflix. They're, you know, it's Annie Comer's kind of fun, kind of not, kind of serious. It's a great leap beyond the narrative capabilities of Volume 1. Volume 1 was so focused on Jedi pairings and kind of Jedis through the Star Wars timeline. This one will take any aspect of the Star Wars universe, Michael, and turn it into an interesting little story. Great. Yeah, one of the things that it does incredibly well, Michael, is that it tells Star Wars stories through the lenses of other cultures that are obviously here on Earth, Michael. So, for example, we have kind of an Aztec-inspired kind of 3D claymation, almost claymation version of that about two sisters who are Force-sensitive and they go up against the Empire and it's kind of an eco-tale about colonialism and stripping resources from a planet and native uprisings, indigenous peoples. Very good. Didn't Love, Death and Robots do exactly that? Yeah, they probably did, Michael. I wouldn't say... I, I would say that they literally took the animators through Love, Death and Robots and they said, do that, but with lightsabers. Star Wars this. Do this yeah, Star, Star Wars now. <laughs> Star Wars the shit out of this. But I have to say, Michael, and it's definitely my own personal bias coming through here, the most unique of these and possibly the most interesting Star Wars story of the lot is number is is bloody uh, cartoon saloons one 
It's called Screechers Reach, Michael. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's set inside one of the em- the empire's kind of colonial stations and Michael, it's so Irish while still being in the Star Wars universe. So they're in a workhouse, Michael. I tell you what, Ben. The old Irish, we do have a bit of a history with knowing how to deal with colonial empires. We do. We do, Michael. So this is where it gets really interesting. They're in a workhouse, Michael, and they've had enough, right? And Cartoon Saloon does it in their usual beautiful kind of animated style um, where it's very, very simplified characters, but they move beautifully. The The landscape is quintessentially Irish, Michael. <laughs> Screechers Reach oh, is just a cave in the Kerry Mountains. It's, that's all it's just it is. Ireland's boss, is it? Yeah. So Screech's Reach is kind of a little bit of a, a, a spoiler, Michael, for what's going to happen. Because if you could guess, if you were going to guess what Irish influence we might see, Michael, in something called Screech's Reach, what mythological creature would you most likely associate that name with? A drunk wife beater. Yeah, exactly, Michael. It's all about domestic abuse in the Irish uh, society. <laughs> it's it's really, really hard-hitting. Brendan Gleeson's in it. Colin Farrell plays the <laughs> wife. It, it's a whole thing. I don't know why you keep always hitting me. <laughs> I love you. I love you, Brendan. Not to cast aspersions on Brendan Gleeson, who is a national treasure. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway on, Michael. Screechers Reach Spanchies. features a group of kids... And one of the kids says, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go to Screecher's Reach and I'm going to get to the other side of Screecher's Reach. But nobody does, Michael, because there's a ghost that haunts the caves of Screecher's Reach. Oh, are the ghosts in Star Wars now? So, Michael, Michael, here's the thing, right? It's basically a banshee, Michael. Yeah, yeah, I thought as much. But then we find out, Michael, then we find out as the story progresses. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do full spoilers here. We're going to do full spoilers, okay? The main character in this is a young lady, Michael, and she just wants out of the imperial system. She wants a new life. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, how do you escape a workhouse in space? How do you start a new life? And Michael, Michael, she has an amulet, a mysterious amulet that's giving her strength. She talks to it every once in a while, Michael. Mm, It's probably the Sith. Michael, fuck you. How did you know that? Of How did you is. know that? <laughs> I knew it'd be the Sith. Is it you really the Sith? That bag. was just out of my fucking arse, Ben. Is it really the Sith? Yeah, so anyway, what happens is, <laughs> Michael, what happens is they go into the cave and it's not a banshee at all. It's an ancient Sith Lord, Michael, and she's got a fucking lightsaber, a red lightsaber. And oh, no. um, this young lady is force sensitive. So she sends the other kids out of the cave when this ghost kind of materialises and she takes her on. She takes on the Sith Lord, Michael. Now, if you're in any way up to date with the Star Wars lore, Sith have a really ruthless system for apprentice and, or sorry, for Padawan and um, master or master and apprentice as Sith go. In order to become a master, most Sith apprentices have to strike down their master. They have to kill them. Does only not have two? Uh, yeah, it's, it's that's the balance. It's always one master, one apprentice, and that's how they that's how they do it. That's how they they go about. It. It's not a great system for longevity, Michael. It's no wonder they get wiped out for hundreds of years at a time. Very complex. Anyway, anyway, she goes in, she defeats it, and the twist, Michael, is it turns out the entire time, 
Yes, go on. It's been a Sith Lord who's who's grooming her to be his, to be their apprentice. Michael, the Sith Lord is voiced by none other than Hollywood A-lister Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston, famous Irish woman to spot Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Wasn't does she do an Irish accent? Are they all Irish to spot or is it? They're all Irish to spot. It's just a pack of Irish people in Star Wars. It's fucking great. It's oh, very fucking good. great. Are they all wearing I... Aaron sweaters? Yeah, I absolutely love this, Michael. I thought it was a phenomenal take on the Star Wars universe. I, unlike you, didn't see the fucking twist coming. I thought it was going to be another, ah, and the Jedi have delivered. It wasn't. It was a fucking Sith Lord offering a new life. And there's a heartbreaking moment, Michael, where she's going up in the spaceship, and she it's, it's a testament to the animators of this. She looks back at her friends and you just see a glimpse in a cartoon character's eye that they've made a mistake they just go oh fuck no I fucked it I shouldn't be going with a Sith in a ship Mm." oh I'm a baddie now I'm a baddie now so she keeps the lightsaber and she goes off into space with Angelica Houston Sith Lord and Benjamin was that all a metaphor for taking the soup I think it was a metaphor for taking the soup Michael and building the folly you know, mm, taking the king's soup and building the king's can we folly. can we really judge Michael the Catholics that used the system of oppression from the British to get themselves a better life? The answer, Michael, is yes, yes, we can. Yes, we can. They were Sith. The whole they time. were Sith all along. Um, Michael, it was phenomenal, phenomenal work uh, from the Cartoon Saloon team. I have to say, I was very taken with Star Wars Visions Volume Two. And there are some beautiful ones. There's some ones from French studios. And every aspect of the Star Wars universe, just a joy to watch, Michael. Very cool animation styles. Um, The entire team at Cartoon Saloon, and this is an open invitation to Cartoon Saloon, Michael, if they'd like to be on the podcast to talk about their work on the Star Wars visions. Paul Young, we've, we've followed you on Instagram. If you happen to hear this, get in touch with us. Get in the podcast. Come on. Benjamin, we have some contacts in Cartoon Saloon. I'll see if I can work that out for you. Ben. That'd be good. I'd like that. Do the French is the French episode about Jedi's riding around on bicycles with little bags full of baguettes on the front? Yeah, but they're light baguettes. <laughs> baguettes made of lightsabers. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, Michael. The, the, it is, in fact, a very loose allegory for um, the French Resistance during World War Two. Of course it is. Of yeah. course it is, Benjamin. And yeah. Everyone's wearing little space berets, as Prince once said, Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of little space berets, while you've been watching, uh, while you've been watching whatever it was you were watching, Star Wars Visions, I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. My now, God, what a day. What a day we had. Now, Benjamin, yeah. when I went to see it, you mm. didn't come with me because something know. came up. Yeah. And we're now going to, all completely unscripted, pressure you into revealing what it was that you were doing that meant you couldn't come to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So you're going to either have to tell the truth or ad-lib something funny. So Benjamin, why don't you tell me what had come up that meant you couldn't come to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Just while I have you on the spot there. That was very good, Michael. I was in Belfast. Oh, were you? Very good. There's no cinemas in Belfast, famously. So, Ben, I've been to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And we're going to do a little bit of a review. We're going to do a little bit of a small review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm going to try and keep it mostly spoiler-free. Yes. 
Um, so we'll we'll put a little break and we'll say we're going to do a mostly spoiler-free review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And then, after a couple of minutes, we'll do a little break and we'll go into some spoilers and thoughts and conjectures. What do you think of that? Yeah, go on, that sounds tasteful, Michael. Very handled delicately, with a plum. So, right, Benjamin, before we get on, right, so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, James Gunn 2023, the third in the series of Guardians of the Galaxy, with almost all of the cast returning. Go on. Very exciting for many people, for many fans, particularly what you would call, in inverted commas, old school Marvel fans. This was kind of Mm -hmm. the last great hope for the old style of Marvel movies. Yes. Before the kind of debatable quality of volume, of not volume, what do they call it? Arc 4? No, what do they call it? Phase Phase 4, Michael, Phase 4. Before the kind of downward spiral of Phase 4 and 5. And luckily, Benjamin... This mostly delivers. Oh, that's good, isn't it? I had a good time at it. Can I take you on a journey, Ben? A very small little journey of my personal feelings about Guardians of the Galaxy. I'd love it if you did, Michael. The first Guardians of the Galaxy was probably one of... It's one of my top four or five Marvel movies. And at the time it came out, one of my favourite movies ever. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved the first Guardians of the Galaxy. So much so that I was incredibly excited about Volume 2. To the point where I watched it and was almost left with a bit of discomfort or cognitive dissonance because I don't think it was quite as good as I had hoped it was going to be. Kurt Russell didn't deliver for you, Michael. Uh, He did. It's not a bad movie. But I think I was expecting the ultimate in fireworks. With this one... Because of the last two years of kind of ever-dwindling quality of Marvel movies and TV shows, I think I was expecting the worst, Mm. but hoping for the best. Mm. And I think it is fair to say that this was better than I expected it to be, Mm -hmm. but still pretty far from a perfect film. Okay. And a perfect film was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, so Volume 1 is still far and away the best of the trilogy. Right. I would say this is comfortably better than 2. Good. And easily one of the best Marvel movies since Ed Game. So, you know, I thought you said, I, I, I literally misheard you there and I said, one of the best Marvel movies since Ed Gain. And I was like, well, it's a low bar. It's a yeah, low yeah, bar. since the movie Ed Gain. Yes. <laughs> uh, the famous uh, that's, Marvel that's a low bar. Uh, so, yeah, Marvel, it's good. Yes. This is the this is the the kind of the the last hit for a lot of Marvel fans on our Discord channel, ladies and gentlemen, which you can hop up on if you feel so hop inclined down, the down, the down, there down there. in the description down yeah. there. A lot of people have told us, Michael, that this is it. They're out after this one. They're, they're done. Mm. They're, yeah, this yeah. closes a loop for them. And I'm the same. I said that to my good friend and yours, Jim and Shane, because they went to the cinema. Nothing came up for them, so they went to see it. That's because the they're good friends, you see, Michael. Yeah, yeah. And I said to them that this is the last movie that I am going to go and see without any... What's the word? Oh, no, I've lost the 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 word, Benjamin. Um, this is the last word movie... This is the last Marvel movie that I am going to go and see unconditionally. Okay, as, as, know, as, a, as, a, as a, a natural need. Is that what you mean? Yes. I have seen every Marvel movie and every Marvel TV show since 2008, whether I was excited about it or not. Now, 90% of them I was excited about, but in the last couple of years, they haven't all excited me. That's not to say I'm not going to go and see every Marvel movie. I might end up going to see every Marvel movie, but I'm not 
unconditionally going to go and see them. So if I see yeah. a Marvel movie and the trailer isn't very appealing, I'm going to say, oh, I'll wait for that from streaming. Yeah, I'll probably wait for Disney Plus to release that two days after they release it in the cinema. Exactly, yes. So, um, it's good. It's a good movie. It's, let's start with the negatives. It's over long. It's, it's, two, it's two hours and 30 minutes or two hours and 40 minutes. And you could easily have taken 50 minutes out of it and had a right. very neat, high-impact film. It's dark. It's very dark. Um, it's, I mean, it's a hard watch at times, particularly if no. you're, um, particularly as an animal lover or anyone who's averse to cruelty. There's oh, I don't think I can watch this now, this. Michael. It's, no, but I mean, it's anti-animal cruelty. One of the messages of this movie is, hey, don't be cruel. The baddies are cruel. The movie oh, isn't cruel. Good. But it's, there are some hard-hitting scenes with regards to animal torture and cruelty to animals. And it's, oh, it is like hard them. to watch at times. Um, one or two of the characters, in particular Will Poulter's uh, Adam Warlock, are a little bit underutilised. Okay. They make a big impression and then kind of just hang about a bit, which can happen with these Marvel movies with such big casts. There's so many. There's so many people in it and sometimes you need them to get the plot rolling. And then mm. after they've got the plot rolling, they're still just hanging about and you're like, oh, you're still just here, are you? <laughs> Did you not have to go to Belfast or something? Are you not saying are you not saying you were gonna nip off and and do something else? And then he goes, Oh no, I wasn't actually I'm gonna stay and not help or really hinder either, just kinda of be about the place. So there's a little bit of that. But, Ben, mm. this is this is great. It's a great film. It's um it it really redeems almost the entirety of the Guardians of the Galaxy cast. Um Peter okay. Quill, Star Lord, Chris Pratt, your favourite actor and mine, Chris Pratt, gets to be the hero he was in Volume 1 again. Oh, that's good. A return to form, so to speak. Exactly. He's still an arsehole, but he's not an irredeemable arsehole. Well, that's good. And he has a bit of a hero's journey of going from a bad place to a good place and, you know, bettering himself. And he gets to do heroic things and be heroic and not be an absolute waste of space idiot. And the same goes for Drax. And Nebula and Mantis and all of the characters get moments of pathos and moments of cool. Okay. It's it's great. As a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, great. Good. Every Guardians of the Galaxy movie has made me cry. Okay. Just a little bit. A single tear or two. If you remember in the first one, Benjamin, when um, the, the, the ship crashes and Groot gets scattered across the earth. No, it's very uh, sad. Very sad. And, and Rocket's holding the twig, crying. And then Drax comes along and puts his hand on his head. Yeah. I shed a little tear at that. In, vol- in volume two, you'll remember as well that uh, Yondu famously dies. And then they have a funeral for him. And all yes. of the other Ravagers show up. And Rocket says, they all came. Fucking like a baby, Ben. I wept like you a You had a little weep, did you? Is that what you're I hoping did. happens at the end of your funeral? All the space pirates you used to rock around with will just turn up to your funeral? Fucking absolutely, as long as there's nothing more important going on in Belfast. But this movie also has... <laughs> 
I wish you could see Ben's face, ladies and gentlemen. I'm slowly nipping away at him. I'm going to make him annoyed. He's going <laughs> to be annoyed by the end think, of the podcast. I did think I got away very lightly. And now I'm realising, ah, I've not got away at all. No, no, it's just been saved up. And this movie does have an emotional arc like that that did make me at the end feel very emotional. Now, I did see this quite late at night and was feeling emotional that day. But there was a real feeling of an end of an era and a wrapping up of a story. And mm. uh, But great, very good, very enjoyable. Not perfect, as I've said, but uh, what is a my great f- movie. Exactly. The first one, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, is a perfect It's a perfect film. It is. For okay. what it is, as a superhero film about a bunch of ragtag weirdos teaming up, it's bang on the money. And this isn't there, but it's okay. very good. Well, now, that's, that's a wonderful review, Michael. What are we doing now? We talk a little bit about spoilers and what happens and what doesn't happen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is spoiler territory. Move on now. Go down to the oh. timestamps below in the description if you don't want spoilers. Go talk about yes. space, space Cowboys. Go on. Go. go. Yeah, yeah, we'll go on to Space Cowboys because we're going to talk about spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I think, Ben, the biggest thing as fans of these type of movies, and perhaps the biggest surprise, although this was kind of revealed to me a few weeks ago, nobody dies. Oh. Now, not nobody dies. Like, a lot of people do die. and there Is are... there a character called Nobody. No, there's nobody called nobody. Um, and there are deaths that are very poignant and upsetting deaths. Um, they're very sad moments. Um, and there's mass genocide at, at certain points. But Ooh. none of the main cast die. Oh, okay. That is very unexpected. Yes, because we all thought Drax was a goner or Mantis was a goner or Nebula was a goner or Rocket was a goner. I thought Rocket was a goner. goner. I thought every single bit of marketing I watched was basically, God, wasn't Rocket great, huh? Wasn't he great? Wasn't Drax great? Wasn't all your favourite characters great? They're all probably going to die, but nobody dies. That is very unexpected. Not no, as I said, not nobody. There are very sad deaths in it, uh, but yeah, none of the main cast die. So it doesn't go out on a wiping these characters out, and you know that's the emotional beat. The emotionalness of the end of the movie is them all moving on, basically. Ah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They basically in some ways, that's sadder, up. Michael. In in some ways, it's sadder. Now, everybody goes off and has a happy ending. Okay. Not a massage with a wank pin. Everybody goes off and has, like, a different... They go off and continue their adventure alone or stop adventuring or, you know, they all go off and live their lives. But there's a real sense of, this is over now. Oh, Okay. Very, right. very sad. Brought a very brought a big tear to my eye. Oh, is that what got you? That's what got me, Ben. There's a particular scene. Do you want to hear the? Do you want to hear ah, a spoiler? Michael, we're here now. Give it a whirl. Peter ends up by deciding to retire from superheroing, and he goes back to Earth and meets his grandfather, who he oh. hasn't seen, who he hasn't seen since he was abducted as a little boy at his mother's deathbed, oh. and. To the credit of the actor who plays its grandfather, it's it's a, it's a very poignant scene. A very small, short scene, but very poignant. Hmm. The villain, Ben. This the higher uh, evolutionary, the, Michael? The high evolutionary. Fantastic. Oh, really? He's fucking great. It's Chukwudi Uwuji, I think is his name. He was the, he was in Peacemaker. 
Oh, yes, 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 yes. He was their handler and peacemaker. He is fantastic as just an awful, cruel, egotistical maniac. And he just goes off the rails. And one of his uh, one of his hench people says, Oh, my God! And he just turns around and he looks at her and he screams and he goes, There is no God! That's why I had to step in. Oh, that's <laughs> like, a good line. Well, that's a tasty well, line, Michael. Oh, he's great. He is fantastic. Now, I've heard criticism of him being one-dimensional. One but, in a sense, I kind of wanted him to be a bit one-dimensional. It's nice you to have Don't redeem the animal cruelty guy. Don't do it. Yeah, don't redeem him. Don't try and bring him back as a hero in future films. Just let him be an awful eugenicist animal cruelty wankbag. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know what, Michael? I I think cinema what? could use a few more one-dimensional villains again. Yeah, just I, give I'm, us a baddie who's like a space Nazi and he's doing experiments on little cute animals, and yeah. then absolutely shit mix him. Give me Mengele in space. Give me that. Well, that's kind of where he's going with this. He's a bit of a Mengele in space. He's a bit of a Doctor Moreau in space. Yeah, I, I got that. I remember, Michael. One of the first comics I ever read was an, an X Men manual, way back when, and it featured a. It was just essentially a, a, a manual specifically designed to be sold at Christmas to kids. It's like a short Are you saying story. Manual or annual? Yeah, I should have said annual, but I said manual. Um, <laughs> to operate your cyclops. Please <laughs> the sleep with here. his girlfriend until he becomes enraged. <laughs> oh yeah, he will. He will. He'll get he pissed. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I read this, and the the villain of it was the High Evolutionary, and it was mutants versus High Evolutionaries. Essentially, Island of Doctor Moreau experiments. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and it was very unnerving then because he spoke about yeah. everything so coldly and callously. Yes, and that's what this guy is like, and he's horrible, and he's great. He's fantastic. Mm. Very good. good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I said, um, a little bit over long, um, but satisfying overall. Very good. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's that'll bring you hope. So you're, you're out now. You're done. You're free. I'm free. Like, I'll pro- I'm still going to see everything, but not unconditionally. Okay, okay. It sounds like you you're bargaining, I mean? Michael. It sounds like you're no, bargaining. No, no, I'm not bargaining. I'm not bargaining. I'm just, I'm not going to see everything. I'll, I'll probably still see everything, but just not unconditionally. If I see a trailer and I don't like the look of it, I'm not going to go and see it. Yeah, well, that's fair, Michael. What do you that's think of fair. that? Yeah, that's pretty I'm good. I'm like a fucking, I'm such a, a rogue unit, Ben. I'm so independently minded. You are. You are, Michael. I You've always been. I can't be hemmed in. Yeah. You're a drone operator, Michael. Coast to coast. I'm a drone operator. I was trying to go for a kind of a bit, I'm a bit of a space cowboy, Ben. A bit of a yeah, no, I, 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 a loose gun, Michael, in in the stars. Exactly. That's what you are. Michael, Michael, you and I have seen yes. an uptick in the space cowboy narrative. And we said to ourselves, let's do a fucking episode on that. Let's, let's have a look. Pew, pew, pew. But as has become the habit with ourselves, Michael, we've outsourced all our thinking to the listeners. Oh, I love the listeners. The listeners are fucking great. Who doesn't love a listener? Michael, we put up a poll. And today, we included a nice mix, Michael, of super popular pop culture. And mm. some, some, some niche little deep cuts, maybe. Oh, go on. 
of this trope. So we gave the listeners uh, who is the best damn space cowboy. I put the damn in there, Michael, because it felt very like a Western movie. So I, I put the damn in there just to really yeah. sell it to people, you know. Then you spit um, out your chewing tobacco. Yeah, exactly, Michael. And we gave we gave a few options. We gave the Mando from the Mandalorian. Mm. Yeah, very very good. We gave bloody Mal Reynolds from Firefly, the original space cowboy. The original space cowboy. We gave Alex Kamal from The Expanse, the pilot mm-hmm. of the Rosendante, Michael. Very important. And then Rosinante? we gave uh, Ross. Wait, say again. Rosinante. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm going to get it wrong either way, Michael. So I don't mind. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, it's Ross and Dante. Yeah, Ross and Dante. Let's. No, go no, on. it's too late, Michael. It's fine. You've made a fool of me live on air again. Fine, <laughs> fine. Um, go on, so yeah. anyway, go on. Michael, the way it's all shook out, the way it's all shook out, Michael. Uh, oh, and Starbuck from Star Galactica, Michael, with a grand total of zero votes. Yeah, so in fourth place, she was minus 1% at one point, and my mind boggled at how that was possible. I don't understand. Yeah. I'm not even making that up. That was what her score was at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's it's Katie, Kaylee Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff? She's so hot right now. So, so hot right now, my She was so hot back then, but maybe I just... I, as far as I know, Starbuck is a space cowboy. That's That's the whole thing. Is she? Yeah. She's out there alone gunning it in her little ship, just like pew, pew. I don't know if space cowboys technically would work for the government, though. Nah, Michael. All space cowboys work for the government eventually when they're deputized <laughs> to look after a small town. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the clear winner, Michael, is that that most archetypal of characters, that most bloody the, the fucking cardboard cutout of a space cowboy. It's Mal Reynolds, played by Nathan Fillion from TV's Firefly. Oh. Yeah, despite being told in the television show Castle that there are no cows in space. There are no cows in space, according to Castle. Nathan Fillion's has some career, Michael, hasn't he? Mad shit altogether, Benjamin. A very extent. Oh, no, I won't talk about that. Okay, okay. All right, fair enough. We're not talking about that. Mando came in second, Michael, with 40%. Alex Kamal got 5%. A little, a little pity vote from the listeners. One little um, pity vote. Benjamin, probably not great for him because this actor isn't very beloved anymore. Oh, is he not? What did he do? Didn't he do a bit of grooming or something? Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, classic. Oh, shit. Allegedly. I, should, I shouldn't have included him, should I? Yeah, I was a bit surprised, to be honest. You usually, oh, fuck. You usually have your finger on the pulse of this stuff a little bit more, but go on anyway. I'm I'm usually up to date on who the nonces are, yeah. I, I usually have a rough <laughs> idea of, of space nonces, but uh, mm. no, not this time. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that is... Uh, that is unfortunate. I'm very sorry. But, Michael, the redeeming factor here is we gave we gave the listeners a little bit of voice and choice and we asked them, who did we forget? And we got some mm. great shouts. Oh, go from on. From the lads. Bloody Retro Gamer Ireland, our, our pal Nisha, said Spike from Cowboy Bebop, an excellent example of a space cowboy in a very different font. It's literally in his name, Ben. Cowboy Bebop. The main character of the show Cowboy Bebop. The character Cowboy Bebop. Yep, very, very good. That was backed up by uh, Wayne Talbot, who got in touch with us from the... What's the name of their podcast again, Michael? Save me. Shenanigans and Dungeons? Oh, shit, I can't remember. It's oh, That's really bad from us, Wayne. Sorry, we'll we'll stick it in now in a second. We'll look it up and stick it in. Sorcery and uh, Shenanigans? No, it's not that, Michael. That's not it. Um, bloody old, old pal of the pod, 
Cron got in touch with us and he said, Han Solo, surely, question mark. And then Marshall Bravestar from the TV show Bravestar. Yes, That's great Mike shout Spiegel. from Cron. Say again. Great shout from Cron. Great shout from Cron. Um, and then Cowboy from Battle Beyond the Stars, Michael. We got that from Replo87. Mm. And I don't know what that is. It's a classic uh, 70s, well, early 80s maybe, um, Star Wars ripoff. Oh, very good. And then, Michael, bloody Brian's action figures, pal of the podcast, said Han Solo could qualify. And then Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon from Superior Comics 16. Yes. Yeah. Great shouts all around from the listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, you too could get shouted out on this podcast if you go and follow us on Instagram or hop up on the Discord. Hop up on it. Get up on it. Get up on it. And, Michael, that brought us to the wonderful, wonderful, shiny world of what even is a space western? Why? Why are they so popular? What's going on? Why are these two things crossing over so much? Why, Michael, is this happening? There's a lot of simple reasons for that, Michael. I've created a little presentation for just such an occasion. Would you like to have a look at it? Oh, I'd love it. Excellent. It's too bad. We have to, because it's all we've got to do this section of the podcast. Saddle up. Space Cowboy. Very good, Michael. Very good. That's what what a classic line from any of the properties just mentioned, possibly. Mm. Bravestar, Mm. Marshall Bravestar. Bravestar is great. Bravestar predates uh, Firefly by nearly 20 years. Great stuff. And fucking smashes it, Michael. On the planet New Texas, Ben. Yes. That's where he is. You wouldn't want to be in New Texas. I feel like New Texas probably takes away abortion rights and is fairly firm on the gun lobby not being taken out of power, you know. So. Yeah, but you need space guns, Ben, if you're a space western. It's about the frontier life. Everybody needs guns. That's why the Americans are so obsessed with it. Yeah, so Michael, I think that's probably a very good place to start, actually. Why do we keep looking at space through the lens of a western? Why, why do we keep coming back to that? And the number one thing, Michael that I keep coming back to is because space is fucking terrifying yes go on so space is this vast expanse uh, like not unlike Amazon's The Expanse Michael Um, Mm, yeah yeah and one of the things that The Expanse does very very well apart from a space western is making it clear how fucking terrifying space is yeah you don't want to get stuck in space it's a completely, and you'll excuse the pun here, alien concept to us. We don't have anything equivalent to it here on planet Earth. And I think we need to really fall back on a tried and tested, arguably one of the first great film genres in the world, the Western. Mm, yeehaw, cowboy. Because we know the beats of the Western, Michael. We understand what it is. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, there's goodies, baddies and foreigners. Yeah, and there's nothing complicated like, what happens if my spacesuit springs a leak? Do I freeze and then implode? Or do I explode and then shatter into a thousand tiny million pieces? Because I I can't contemplate these things, Michael. Yeah, but not only that, I think actually, funnily enough, that's a bad example. And I don't mean to call you out on it. Fuck you. we We actually can understand that. But there are aspects of space travel which just can't really... Our concept of narratives just don't work with the reality of if we ever do get to venture into the stars. Like, they're going to be one-way journeys and the timelines and the distances involved are so vast and terrifying and incomprehensible. It's so much easier to just imagine an entire system of planets as like 
a series of villages that are a couple of days' ride apart in handy. the Old West. Yeah. Very handy. Yeah. It's great stuff, Michael. And for some reason, we have some kind of magic tech called a hyperdrive, and it can carry us between huge distances, as if it was just a day day's drive, Michael. As if. As if it was just like hopping on your horse or the train wagon. Yeah, exactly. The longer journeys of the train wagons and the interplanetary stuff in the same system is your horse. Mm. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. Um, so, yeah, the, the Space Western itself, Michael, is, is a, a kind of a blend of science fiction and Western themes. And the combination of the two is kind of just, it's just a way to, as you said yourself, help our own understanding of narrative kind of mesh on to this vast concept. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather if they just mesh together um, space and Korean dramas. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose we I, we could do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it'd be great. Like, I suppose I, it's just as likely that people would have, like, tense, furtive falling in love in space as they would rustling adventures. I mean... I always, I always think about that, Michael, as a, as a concept. We get bizarre articles every once in a while. I don't know if you saw that one in a couple of years ago now, where it was like, oh, we're putting an all-female uh, team into space to avoid um, romance getting in the way of the mission. And everyone was they'd just like, have you never heard of lesbians? Yeah, they'd all just start kissing each other, Ben, at least in the stories I'd write. Yeah, well, that's why we don't let you write your your famous <laughs> K drama in space yeah. uh, bloody things. Um, yeah, no, we don't Everyone's allow that to happen. Everyone's kissing in space. Everyone's kissing in space. That's the name of the first one. You can find it was, on Amazon under yeah. the self published <laughs> authors section, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, I had a pen name. Yeah, it's Dick Leonard, um, and that's that's exactly what Mick goes by online. So you can check that out. Yeah. Um, I might create that using AI and put it up now just oh, very to good. really sell your that. reputation, Michael. Um, so anyway, the most classic example of this, Michael, is the Star Wars franchise. The Star Wars franchise copies and pastes so many elements from uh, Westerns. It's unbelievable. Right down to the, the, the weird kind of saloons that they all hang out in. The gunslinging, oh, yeah. Michael. Han Solo's just oh, a gunslinger. Hmm. Yeah. You know, Boba Fett, bounty hunter, gunslinger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bloody Mando, gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, Tatooine, that bar on Tatooine, that's just a saloon. It's just Nevada. Yeah. Just just Nevada, Michael. Um, so where this came from, though, is is a little bit earlier than the Star Wars franchise, which is, of course, is a 70s property. But um, there were early... Um, kind of space western heroes like Northwest Smith which I think Michael comes a little bit close to Bravestar or something like that it's 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 got that kind of thing Northwest uh, of course famously now Michael one of the Kardashians and no longer a space cowboy but mm. yeah um, now a different thing so C.L. Moore created them in the 1930s and they were a classic serialised kind of novel or novella um, and from there sprang a whole genre Michael of bloody um, space cowboys. But the most famous one being friend of the podcast, Shane's favourite, fucking John Carter of Mars. He's literally... I was just about to say, does John Carter of Mars count or is John Carter of Mars space fantasy? It's a space fantasy, but he is essentially a cowboy in space, but not what we're talking about today, Michael, because you couldn't really call John Carter of Mars a space western. It's more like Space Conan. 
Yeah, Space Conan, F- Space Frank Frazetta. So, yeah, Space Frank Space Space Frank Space Frank Frazetta, Michael. Yeah. So um, they also came from a lot of uh, magazines at the time, Michael, and they became particularly popular in the fifties and 60s when the superhero genre was having a little bit of a wane Michael and we saw a little bit of a surge of space western magazines a little bit of a wane Talbot from sorcery and shenanigans a little bit of a John Wayne Michael a little bit of a John oh. Wayne. There you go, just to tie it back to that. So the, the characteristics of this genre we've seen across the board, Michael, um, they emphasize the themes of independence, self-reliance, showcasing characters who must navigate a dangerous and lawless university. Or uh, university. Universe. <laughs> ben can't read. Can't Ladies read and gentlemen, speak. welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, Ben Can't Read, where this week Ben can't read his own notes. His own notes, Michael. There's so many notes. So many notes. But, Michael, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier when you said frontier psychology. It, it's, it is the frontier. It's, it's a lawless waste of a place, Michael. And it's all about the rough riders that get out there and drive their own path. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Very Michael. exciting. Like, I mean, it is, it's a cultural narrative, isn't it? It's, this is the narrative that on Earth happened about an unexplored, wild, dangerous frontier. Yeah. And then if you want to make your space show about space as a wild, lawless frontier being brought under the yoke of civilization, our cultural language just says it's cowboys. Is that what you mean? You just want to do cowboys? Yeah. Because (laughs) there's no cowboys in Star Trek. No. Because in Star Trek, civilization... Space isn't a frontier, although they say space, the final frontier. It's not really about space as a frontier. No, it's about socialism. It's not about, yeah, it's space socialism. It's not about um, building, expanding the the reach of civilization and settlement and hardship and living on the fringes of society. Yeah, but it is about it is about it in space westerns, Michael. That's what we're all about. Yeah, yeah, because Star Trek isn't a space western. So the most famous example of that, Michael, is probably Firefly. Um, and it, it, I'm ashamed to say, Michael, it took me a very long time to realise that Firefly is Joss Whedon's attempt to glorify the South in the Civil War of the United States. Well, that's putting words into someone else's mouth, but go on. No, no, it absolutely is. Mal Reynolds is part of the brown coats, and the brown coats are essentially just the fucking Confederacy. Are the brown coats not the American revolutionaries and the Empire of the English? And this is the story of if the the Americans had lost. Is it? I don't know. I'm, I, I took it know. very much it? to be that they're the Confederacy and that fucking, um, whatchamacallit, the other lads are the the Union. Or the other way around? Other way around? Uh, the goodies and the baddies. Yeah. Either way, uh, you know, classically in the Civil War, Michael, one bunch of lads didn't want slavery. Another bunch of lads were like, oh, no, let me have slavery. Let me have slavery. Um, but it's not quite as as racist and not racist as that in the, the wonderful world of Firefly. But we do get a, a couple of good old southern boys, Michael, essentially rebels out there on the frontier avoiding the law, living in the, the vast wasteland of lawlessness going about their business. And Michael, the best thing about Firefly is it it has 
technology that we can only imagine as as magic, Michael. But it's a jalopy. They're all jalopies in the world of yeah. Firefly. Like there's space trains that have you know anti grav, but it's just a train. Just a train. Just a normal train. Just a normal train. Just normal trains. Innocent trains, um, Michael. And it's it's a bizarre thing. And the the you know, it's it's kind of hilarious to see junk technology that to us is the stuff of dreams. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But to them, it's like, oh, this is my old jalopy of a ship, but it'll get you there. And it's just like, it's so silly. This is so silly. Very good. Benjamin. Yeah. The thing about it, though, is Firefly gets a lot of credit for nearly creating this for modern viewers even though it only got like nine episodes and wasn't very successful but Not star wars was doing it ages before that and you know it's it's why does firefly get so much credit for it why does firefly get so much credit is it because firefly wore it on its sleeve yeah it's because firefly does it up to 11 michael um when we when we talk about i mean arguably brave started at first but we'll get to that in a second but okay, firefly only michael, got like five minutes left uh, we don't. We, we'll get to it in another episode, Michael. We'll probably do a deep dive. Okay. We should probably do an exhumed episode on Bravestar. Bravestar was fucking great. I think we anyway. did. Did we not? I think we did. No, we did, a, we did a Bravestar movie pitch, Michael. Oh, we did. That's what we did. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Mad. Mad shit <laughs> altogether, Ted. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's it? <laughs> um, but in this particular case, Michael, you're absolutely right. It wears it on its sleeve. So it, it took the simple kind of... Star Wars was a little bit amb- uh, ambiguous, Michael. It could have been samurai. It could have been cowboys. But this one was like, mm. no, it's cowboys. It's just cowboys. cowboys. In space. Mm. Everybody wears, like, the old sarsaparilla dresses. It's not a real thing. I've just combined two terms from the West that I know into one thing. Mm. Um, but, you know... Yeehaw. yeehaw, as it is, Michael. And that's all it is. You've got weird mountain men in the form of the Reavers. You know, those mm. are those are the, the people up the Appalachians that you don't want to go see, you know. <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's, but that's what it is. That's essentially what it is, Michael. The only thing the Firefly manages to avoid is a very iffy representation of indigenous tribes. Yeah, yeah, they went with uh, Appalachian Mountain Men rather than terrifying, skinning uh, Native Americans. Yeah, but it's, you know, a uh, uh, savage depiction race, racially motivated by any other name, Michael, would smell as sweet. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've we've had that, and it, it gets that credit, Michael, because it, it does just go, no, nah, we, we just did a Western in space. You could take the technology away and you just have a Western. You just have Mal just Reynolds have and the gang. In space, But as I said, Michael, it's familiar territory for everybody and it's an easy way for us to approach a topic which is, quite frankly, so beyond our ken, as the lads would say, Mm. that we probably need a familiar framework to just tell the stories we want to tell. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, so the Space Western, an absolute classic. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of telling the stories we want to tell, I'm going to throw something at you here on air. Oh, you fucking No, it's Grant. You'll be Grant. You'll like this. Um, we're in the midst of the last couple of days of a writer's strike. What's going to go down in history as the 2023 writer's strike? Yeah. Are yeah. you familiar with it? I am. Why don't we next week take a look at the repercussions of the last big writer's strike? All right. We're doing a retrospective next week, Michael. Then. Would that be an interesting topic? I think so. Ladies and gentlemen, let us know if you think that would be an interesting topic. You can get in touch with us in a few different places. 
You can find yeah. us on the interwebs at www.shomrabyug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. Sorry, I skipped my it means bit. It's tiny room in Irish. And then I, you spoke over my bit. So I'll say, it means tiny room in Irish. Oh, we're doing this. It, it's only our first podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So bear with us. <laughs> bear with us if you can. <laughs> you can also find Every us. Every podcast is someone's first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the t-shirt that we never made, but we really shouldn't. Um, come here to me. Fuck. Yes, go on. Every podcast you can find is our first podcast. On Instagram at your podcast. You can find us on TikTok. Oh, now you're talking over my bit again, you fuck. It's, it means Sherlock listen in English. <laughs> you can find us on TikTok. We'll, we'll get this right someday. We're on TikTok. Ladies and gentlemen, the best way to get in touch with us is to hop up on the Discord. And ladies and gentlemen, we forgot it again, but if you could very, very kindly review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe, Mick, what you can do is I'm going to give you a clean cut at the end of this episode, and you might be able to stick it in at the start of the episode. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to. That's yeah, no, that's fair. Up. It's a lot of work, we'll ladies just, and gentlemen. We'll, that's it for we'll most this week, ladies and gentlemen. Time. Next week, we're going to delve into the dangerous, dangerous politics of Hollywood and not paying your staff. Don't do it. Don't do it. Pay them. Pay them. Oh, no, right. I, I thought you meant don't do it. Don't pay them. Oh, don't pay them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking late stage capitalism gone wild. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, bye. <laughs> Tasty. <laughs>